Welcome again, everyone here on this third Sunday in Lent. Uh, welcome again, everyone who's online. I got to get used to looking up and not looking there. Um, I won't lie. Again, I don't miss having the camera right there. Uh, so, but welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm sure everyone's been following the news these last. Uh, I think it's been almost three weeks now that Russia's been involved in this invasion of Ukraine, and. Uh, Following the events, it's very depressing, of course. Uh, you know, a, follow, watching how uh, Putin thought he came in and was just going to steamroll the country really quickly. And uh, we're starting to learn. I'm sure you've all heard about the, you know, the infamous 40-mile convoy that got stuck. Uh, one of the things I learned about this, and I just, I just found this out, is that uh, Putin sent his soldiers in in their dress uniforms because he thought he was going to win so easily that he wanted them dressed nicely for the victory parade. Um, and, well, that didn't work, and he didn't have enough supplies. And, of course, the history nerd that I'm at, I'm like, who was that French king who went into Russia without enough supplies, you know? Oh, yeah. It, the, history does seem to repeat itself, but you're watching this. So he comes in and, of course, doesn't get his quick victory. So what does he do? He falls back to doing what he did in Chechnya and in Syria, which was, let's just drop missiles and bomb indiscriminately, and eventually they'll get tired of people dying and give in. And that's what he's doing again. And so you're watching, you know, hospitals and all these buildings getting shelled. It's utterly depressing. And, uh, and then, you real, then you go, well, wh why is all this happening? And you get into these weird abstract reasons like the essence of Russianness and pride. And I'm like, holy mackerel. It brings home, when you watch this, the reality of how senseless and stupid so much war is, right? Ukraine was never going to invade Russia, right? A country with three times its population. Yet here's this big country very feeling threatened by it. And what you see, when I see all those buildings getting blown up, I look around, I just see innocent people getting caught up in, 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 in the actions of people who are very powerful. So it's sort of like the powerless getting hurt by the powerful in order to keep and expand their power. And if you look at human history, you don't have to study it very long to see that this happens a lot. Right? All the times when various invading armies would come in They'd get into the city. They wouldn't just take out the king. They'd kill every man, woman, and child. Well, why? What did that baby do to you? Well, nothing. But maybe he'll rise up later against me. You know, this kind of thinking. Human history is so full of powerful people just steamrolling those who have less power. And it doesn't, it doesn't always the history of generally good, nice, kind people trying to be nice, and every now and then there's a little bitty bad apple. And I'm not saying that all people are evil or that, that, that we're intrinsically all violent, but I do think as human beings we are full of selfishness and greed, and I think we can easily rationalize horrible things when we feel like it's somehow in our self-interest or, or w when we think there's something to be gained or when we feel threatened by it. Uh, and so then, as people of faith, of course, we sit here and we watch these things happening. Um, and, you know, we believe, right, we teach that there's this one God, this one loving, compassionate God who made the whole universe, and we have to grapple with what we're going to say 
about where God is when all this stuff is happening. And what do we usually say? You got some different answers. One is it's just bad luck, right? When a tragedy happens, it's just bad luck. It's nobody's fault. There wasn't anyone, you know, nobody was being malicious. It was just, it just happened, like a lightning blast or a hurricane or something, right? You kind of make natural disasters kind of seem this way to me in some sense. You know, you can't make lightning not happen, uh, you know. Um, but I could say, on the other hand, well, okay, yeah, you know, you didn't make the lightning happen, but you did choose to go golfing in the monsoon. I mean, are we really without agency in all these things? And, and how often is it that a purely random tragedy happens that could not have somehow been uh, uh, prevented? I think those are pretty rare, which is why I think a lot of the times we start looking at uh, sort of our answer number two, which is it's really, you know, it's somebody's fault. Somebody somewhere in the line of causality did this. They maybe weren't mean. I mean, they could have been mean. Some people just seem to be mean. Or maybe they were just, uh, they indirectly did it. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't try to hurt someone, but they didn't try not to. You know, I think of that mine spill. There was a big mine spill in Mexico a few years ago. Is it Cananea, I think is the place it's called? And there was this giant, you know, one of these tailings ponds full of heavy metals and toxic this and that. And, uh, and the, 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 the wall burst on it, and this orange-colored stuff came pouring down the river. All these villages, kids started getting cancer, and people got ill all over the place, you know? And you think of that like, well, you know, I don't think the mine wanted that to happen, but did they spend as much money as they could have spent to reinforce it as much as they could have? I don't know. But then we all, of course, have sort of answer number three. Um, they got what they deserved. We see a tragedy and we feel like maybe that tragedy is just. They got what they deserved, right? I mean, I won't lie. If Putin gets struck by lightning, you know, I'll probably do a little dance. And I know as a Christian I should feel sorry for somebody dying, but I'll admit, okay, maybe he deserves it. He's evil enough, right? You know, when you see somebody who's, who, who, who is mean do something like that, you go, well, maybe they, maybe it was God's cosmic justice, you know? Which brings us to number four. It's God's judgment. It's, God, it's a punishment. They didn't just get what they deserved by accident. God somehow had a hand in it. Or if you're Oprah, it'd be the universe. But, you know, the mean guy, you would say, got killed because God, did God motivate the killer? Did God rearrange the things that happened in the world to make the person die? You know, uh, the guy goes and decides he's going to be a terrorist and he's going to go bomb the town square, but while he's building his bomb, he wires it incorrectly and it blows him up. You know, it's real easy to go, well, you got what you deserve, dude. You know, maybe God made the wire spark. You know? And of course, if you think that and you believe that, you know, that God is busy punishing the bad, rewarding the good, then in a sense that would make total sense. But what if you start to employ that logic in reverse? You know, if something could, could you say that if something bad happens to someone, that then is the evidence 
that they were doing something wrong. That's the proof, right? The tragedy happens, they must have done something to deserve it. There must be something. And if God is in the tragedy-making business, then if the tragedy happens, then obviously they're on God's bad side somehow, right? I mean, isn't that a logical inference? I mean, I know if you dig into logic, the, the converse is not always true. They'll tell you that in Freshman Logic 101. But we, we do that with our minds. We flip it, you know? Maybe the guy who, maybe the guy who had something bad happen to him, you know, maybe the guy who gets hit by a train, say he got hit by a train, but maybe somewhere in his life he was doing something bad. Maybe we just didn't see it. Maybe he was cheating on his wife, got what he deserved. Who knows, you know? Um, one of the hardest things about being a Christian is trying to answer these questions about tragedies and suffering. Why does it happen? I mean, some people are super kind, and they're the nicest people in the world, and they never heard a fly, and they end up getting cancer. And then you got a Joseph Stalin who kills, like, what, 20, 30, 40 million? We're, never, we're not sure. And he dies of old age at home. That's a fair God. Why didn't you give him a hit by a train? Where's the justice? Where's the justice, God? And when I sit there and I turn on my news or I scroll through my news and I'm watching all these things going and Ukraine's buildings being shelled and they're really being shelled because Putin's troops are so incompetent they can't win a, a war. And so he decides he's just, we're just going to you know, go on a killing spree. And you wonder, what did those kids do to deserve that? There's no way I can stand here in clear conscience and say somehow the kids sheltering underneath that uh, ballet deserved it. It doesn't make sense that God is both loving and causing this kind of punishment. So what do we say? Well, Jesus gets this question asked him in our gospel reading today. Uh, they come to him with this story of these Galileans who had been mingled in with sacrifices by Pontius Pilate. It's, yes, it's that same Pontius Pilate who will end up ordering Jesus' execution. And, you know, the incident, of, and we're not exactly sure what happened. Uh, we don't have any other record of this event. The Romans didn't record it, but Pilate made so many executions, there, you, you, you don't have a book thick enough to fill them. The guy, the guy was a, a horrible killer, but apparently somehow some people from Galilee, which is the northern part of Israel, that's where Jesus was from. He was a Galilean. Um, somehow their bodies were mixed with a sacrifice to a Roman god. Did Pilate kill them and then mingle them? Did he sacrifice them directly to the Roman god? We don't know, but we know that if that would have been done, that would have been like the biggest, worst abomination, the most blasphemous, offensive thing you could possibly do, sacrificing people to a, a pagan god. And again, there's no Roman record of it, but it's very consistent with his behavior. He was a killer, and he hated the Jewish people. And it would be a good way for him to just really stick it to him, to show how powerful he is. See, look, look at me do something that will make you as offended as possible, and you can do nothing about it, because I have the power. Remind you, you have no power, right? But still, inquiring minds want to know, were these people bigger sinners than the other Galileans who didn't end up in the sacrifice. Now, 
you could think this is kind of superstitious thinking. But I'll go back, think to yourself how often somebody sits there and posts on Facebook when there's a tragedy that seems to happen to somebody who seems to deserve it. They'll say, karma's a bad thing, baby. Bad thing isn't what they say, but I'd get in trouble if I told you what they really said, right? Fill in the blank. And if God sticks it to the bad, then when someone gets it, does that mean they're bad? If we believe that it's a bad thing, baby? Well, Jesus says no. Jesus answers no. I mean, he flat out says, right? I mean, it's right there in Luke 13. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. So Jesus' answer, no, this isn't how God works. This is not how God works. Um, but he also knows what's the subtext of the question. And the question is, the question isn't really just, does God cause tragedies? Remember how it's asked. Were they worse sinners? What they're really asking here is, does this mean I must be less of a sinner than they were? Doesn't this mean I'm better than them? I mean, it, it must mean I'm in the clear with, I must be in God's graces because the bad thing didn't happen to me, right? See, and that's what Jesus is addressing. The idea that you can assume that your lack of tragedy makes you better or immune or something. And Jesus tells them, no, you're not off the hook. You know, don't look at that happening to them and think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the clear. Look at your own ways. Change yourself. Repent, right? That's what repentance means, to change your mind. Change your mind. Or you will face this from God in the final judgment. Don't think that because this didn't happen to you that you don't have to hold a mirror up to your own life. The people of Ukraine are not bigger sinners than you. But unless you change your ways, you will have to answer to God. Which brings me back to Pilate. Right? This is not really a story about people being punished or not. This is a story about power. That's what Pilate is doing. He's exercising power. Pilate had lots of power. He was the governor of that area that we now more or less call Palestine, Israel. And Rome had given him a mandate and pretty much a blank check to do whatever was necessary to keep that territory in the empire. And the Palestine territory was considered by the Romans one of the most difficult, least obedient, least compliant territories in the entire empire. It was the worst assignment if you were a Roman who wanted to climb the ladder. And you got assigned it because there was more fighting, more rebellion, more politics. And, and Rome basically gave Pilate a blank check. Do whatever you have to do to prevent a rebellion. Kill, execute, whatever you have to do. Rioters, criminals, revolutionaries, runaway slaves. You, you do what you need to do. It had nothing to do with truth or justice or right or wrong or good or bad. Pilate's job wasn't to only punish the bad, it was to maintain power. That's a different question here, right? And if killing innocent people maintained power, then you did that. You did that. 
And Pilate, again, was notorious for being ruthless in his exercise of power. He'd kill hundreds at a time. He didn't care. So the Galileans, I would bet, were killed to make a statement. To make a statement. Whether they rebelled or not, it was a statement about, this is what I'm willing to do to you. See how bad I'm willing to be. You, you want to have your little religion, be careful, don't double-cross me. I'll show you how awful I can be. It was an exercise in power. Killing innocent people is just a tool of power, whether you're Pontius Pilate or Vladimir Putin. And when we see tragedies, and we see innocent people suffering, Jesus is asking us to ask a different question. Do we see them as opportunities for us to learn to do better? Do we take the occasion to look at the dynamics of power at play? Who has it? Who's protecting it? Who's using it? Do we look at ourselves and ask us if we're participating in it? I mean, I wasn't there in that retention pond in Mexico, chiseling away at the tailings pond, but did I go to the shareholders meeting and vote to renew the contract of the CEO who promised he would give me a better return on my investment by cutting out unnecessary procedures? And did he cut out safety procedures? And then I got money from him cutting that out? Maybe I can't wash my, quite wash my hands yet, can I? You see, I may not have been the one who did it, but I'm a part of it. So instead of shaking my head and going, oh man, that's just too bad, Jesus is saying, maybe I should look at myself and change my mind before I get busy trying to blame others. You see, as a pastor, one of the things that, that you do is you see tragedies firsthand. You see people after the crash, after the disease, after something's happened. You're often even there when it happens. And we always ask this question, why did God do this? Why me? Why did God let this happen? Right? And, and we do wonder deep down, was I somehow to blame? I mean, did I not do X, Y, Z thing to prevent it? Did I somehow not act right in the moment when I could have? Did, did I do something to deserve this, God? And you look back in your own closet and goes, a lot of skeletons there. Did, did this happen? We may not speak it. We may not always say it publicly. But we wonder it. And the wonder shouldn't be about blame and God punishing. Jesus says that's not how God works. God doesn't make the tower fall to punish people. But he wants people in charge of the building to make sure they maintain it well and don't use shoddy materials. He doesn't want us looking to God for who to blame. He wants us to look at the ways we use money and power and repent of those and I think it's easier sometimes almost to blame God for the tragedy than it is to delve into all the complex ways that I might have done something or benefited from it. And I get that the world is very big and complex. And sometimes you just want to know a reason why. But is God the reason? Or did we humans make a world that's full of powerful people who abuse the less powerful? And is there any better example, any better example in our faith of what happens to someone who is a good person, who doesn't use power 
acts with love and kindness and ends up dying for it. Then Jesus, isn't that part of what the cross is telling us? Isn't that part of what Jesus is trying to say? That even God himself gets caught up in the wheels of power and that, and that the innocent die, but that we as humans have the ability to look at ourselves and repent and change our own ways? That's what I see when I look at the cross. Amen.